Well, it's so funny because in the past I was, it, there was, I think often romance, I'd almost, I wouldn't create it, obviously. I'd have like love and care for those I was into or in relationships with, of course. But I think in many ways, there was a coping mechanism I had with love and with relationships. And I would very much go from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next. And in so many ways, it's because I just felt like I could not exist alone. I, I didn't know how to. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of High Low with Amrata. Today we have Elliot Page coming on the podcast remote um, from DC doing press for his book tour. The book is out now and is a bestseller, Page Boy, which I had the pleasure of reading over the weekend. We're going to talk a lot about trans identity, Hollywood, queer joy, sex, and why it was so important for him to write this book in a moment that's really really crazy um, for trans people. There's over 500 laws inside the U.S. that are in talks or being passed that are anti-trans legislation. But we want to talk a little bit about that with Elliot after this break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Thank you so much for doing this, Elliot. What are you doing in DC? Are you doing book press? Yeah, book event tonight. How's it going? It's been really wonderful, actually. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a bit tired, but I'm good. <laughs> like, it's really special. Just like, so many I don't know queer and trans people coming together in these spaces, and it's been really nice. What were you afraid of and what were you excited about and what has the reality of the reaction been? The lead up and my anxiety was mostly about, oh, what is the backlash going to be? What will be, you know, removed or taken out of context or regardless of context? I guess mostly fear, fearing, you know, whatever kind of hate was going to come and, and to what degree that was going to look like. And then, of course, just sharing things that are so personal but, uh, you know, f- friends of mine who've written books said, look, you're going to feel really, really anxious and then the book's going to come out and then you're, it's actually, it's going to be okay, <laughs> you know? And I was kind of like, sure. Mm-hmm. But that's been the experience I've had. I feel so much better and relieved that it's now just kind of out in the world. And the most special moments for me have been like a friend texted yesterday and said, who's also trans, and said that their mom read it in two days and then it allowed them to have conversations they never thought they'd get to have before. Those uh, moments feel like, you know, all you could really ask for when you are writing something like this. Yeah, I have um, a writer friend who said to me, like, the only enjoyable part of um, writing a book and publishing a book is like writing it when you don't think that you're actually writing a book. But I mean, it sounds like your experience is obviously different than that. But what was it like starting to write this? And what what made you want to write this book? The experience of starting to write it was actually incredibly 
exhilarating because I really mean this when I say this, that before, you know, stepping into my truth, so to speak, before being in the body I'm in now, it would have, something like this just would have been actually impossible. Like there's no way I would have been able to sit down long enough to write, um, to have the brain space that was being occupied by negative thinking or um, everything that was keeping me from becoming myself fully. And just the feeling of being able to sit down and write was like astounding, you know, just this whole new way of feeling and this creative space and this ability to just flow with words that came pouring out. And in terms of this time and, and making the decision to write it and move forward with it was really, of course, revolved around the fact that I am a trans person that has this platform. And obviously we're dealing with even more than from when I first started writing the book, such intense um, hate and anti-trans rhetoric and lies about our lives. And it felt like potentially a good time to share my story and if that could offer, you know, comfort for anyone or allow someone to feel seen, then that, you know, means a lot to me. I think it's an incredible gift you've given to be as open as you are in the book. But I know it can come with a lot of personal sacrifice deciding to be that vulnerable and so open. Obviously, just being a public persona, like I, I'm sure your friend is right that, you know, you're going to enjoy it, but you know what it's like to have, I mean, you write about it in the book, like headlines that completely diminish your existence and like nuance. And so you had an extra layer as also just living as a famous person for so long and knowing what it's like to have things taken out of context. How did you kind of silence those voices and decide like, this is okay. And also like protect yourself in the process of kind of exposing yourself as well. I mean, I think the key for me has been, I just like, I don't look, you know, I just don't want to look yeah. at anything. Good for you. I don't want to <laughs> go searching for it. I, I, you know, I even kind of know writing the book, I assume, oh, I, I know what by they, I mean, those who are platforms who are express themselves to be, you know, anti-trans and what have you and, and indulge in that rhetoric. Yeah. Just about not, not engaging with it and not uh, allowing it in. I know who I am. I shared my story and I'm not going to let that energy take away how I feel um, as myself and in this body and, and in the world and the ways I do now, which I never thought was possible in the past. Um, couldn't quite conceptualize a future. Uh, so that stuff I just try and, and shove aside and focus on, you know, all those who seem to you know, be connecting with the book and by the book and and enjoying these, you know, book events where I just have been feeling a lot of love and, and support. And being able to connect to a community of people who are responding to your story. That's, I mean, that's like something, how else would you gain that without having done this? That's really beautiful. One of the things that I, I mean, kind of related, I feel like there's obviously a theme of your relationship to your body in the book, but as something that doesn't always belong to you and like not being able to protect your own body. And um, I thought it was like just really powerful how you write 
both as a trans person about your experience as a as a child in your body, but then also as you know someone who is perceived as female working in an industry that you know preys and uh, capitalizes off of your vulnerability. What was it like to to kind of be in your physical self, like you're describing yourself writing this book and the experience of like sitting down and and go through all these moments where you haven't been in control of your body? It was really intense in moments, you know, in, in many ways cathartic and healing. And there'd be periods where I'd, I'd have to step back from it. Like I could feel a physiological response to telling those stories and revisiting a lot of those moments that I know so many people have and, and so many of us have, you know, working in this industry, um, you know, particularly at a young age. I think in many ways it was sort of shocking to revisit the degree and the consistency and the amount and how much I just sort of shoved it under the rug, you know, moved on. And, and of course, we we know that those feelings and those experiences don't disappear. You know, they, they still live with us. They live in our bodies. They condition us for the next time that someone wants to take advantage. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a lot to, to revisit some of those moments. It's so interesting. I mean, the way that you have physically responded to moments in your life, like when, even when you were emotionally not able to process what was happening and the pressures, your body was telling you, which was something that really struck me throughout the book. How have you learned to be more connected to your body and like understand your emotions through those physical responses and signals? It's mm, a great question. Um, gosh, I mean, I think it's it's happened naturally by becoming more connected to myself. I mean, I feel like I'm still feeling more and more and more embodied as I, you know, I'm still relatively early in my transition, you know, just over two years on T. The more I'm, I've been feeling embodied, I do feel the, the ripple effect into all these other aspects of my life, more confidence, better boundaries with people. And I think so much of it has to do with trusting my instincts more. You know, I think we're so gaslit in so many of these situations, you know, manipulated, told to be then, you know, dismiss our pain in the rare moments that we do speak to it or trying to communicate or try to communicate about it. I think my experience as a trans person has been that I've just always felt so separate from my, my, my body, like just this constant sense of wanting to flee, wanting to be out of it, just such a struggle to be centered. Now that I'm experiencing that more and more and more, I'm able to connect to how I'm feeling. I'm able to know when I need to reach out to someone to talk because I might need some help. I know that something that happened in my life wasn't okay and that I do need to talk about it. You know, like it's, yeah. I feel this like overall ripple effect of, of clarity. Is that when you speak to, you know, how you relate in, in your experiences, is that something you found you're more connected to now in regards to your feelings? And Yeah, I mean, I the thing that I related to is obviously separate from the trans experience is like the commodification of your body and, you know, the entitlement that an industry 
that really is run by cis men, the way that that conditions you to disconnect from your physical self in a way that really serves that industry. And that was the thing that, you know, and I've had many experiences where my body has reacted when I haven't allowed myself mentally or emotionally react. So I was curious kind of as you're starting to experience like living in a body that feels right to you, like how that's also coinciding with, I mean, writing about these experiences, but then also like looking to the future and how you're going to be able to feel connected to yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it, it relates to feeling where so much of that, as you like, you are, one is conditioned in these environments, you know, we're conditioned to believe that certain things are um, acceptable when they're not, you know, in this industry and society at large, obviously. And it's often we find, you know, perpetrators protected while those who are dealing with the consequences of hurtful and negative and abusive behavior are being made to feel like that's just what happened or you deserved it or what have you. And I think, you know, connecting with my body, my instincts, knowing who I am also manifests and then therefore having greater boundaries in the world and standing up for myself more and this sort of self-assurance that I suppose that comes with that and no longer letting people get away with, to say it simply, shitty behavior. Yeah, totally. What is your relationship to like the industry and Hollywood now? Like, how do you think about how to be a part of it and and about the, I mean, your experience, like you've seen the things that a lot of people don't wanna talk about or face and would rather just like keep working and keep, you know, wheeling and dealing and have success. Like, what is that, where, where have you landed on the industry? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Where where have you landed on the industry? <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah, no, no, it's just, it's, uh, I think for me, especially when I was first, like, very much more in the Hollywood world, so right after, you know, Juno came out and, and, and that whole period and, like, very much in the midst of, you know, that that element of, of the industry, I just was 
really like doing what I was told and believing that, oh, I guess these are all the things come with doing air quotes, success. And I think it's about so much about reevaluating what success means to me and what like I was always, you know, being told in that period, oh, your dreams are coming true. And from my perspective, I was like, this was not my dream, actually. Like, I really love to act. I love to create things. And now I'm in a sphere where I'm like lying about who I am. I'm disguising myself. I'm keeping my partners hidden. And I was not happy. And then I felt yeah. like I couldn't say that because then you feel so ungrateful because it's this thing so many people want and et cetera, et cetera, where I think the more we speak about all of this, honestly, we realize that it is a toxic system. And, mm. you know, to me, success is feeling embodied and feeling like I am inspired to create work and working with people that I trust and respect and who also want to make work for good reasons and being in a, in a healthy and supportive environment versus existing in the spaces and having the experiences that, you know, you and myself have both, both had in this industry. Yeah. I, I think the word brave is complicated and you know i don't want to just be like this is so brave but i am curious how you found the strength to you know not not only speak out as a public persona in an industry that's glamorized but then also to come out as queer and trans was it just like survival or was it a reprioritizing and you were like i need to be happy and i just don't care anymore what was that experience like and how did you find that strength i think um both. I think it was survival because getting to a point of, I literally cannot do this anymore. Like this is, I am not okay. Not living my life. The ways in which all these things manifested in my, my body. And also, yes, being myself became far more important than being in movies and being present and you know, feeling a way that I really didn't ever think would be possible. So both things. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, there were moments where things were pretty rough. And if I didn't make certain changes, uh, I'm not really sure what would have happened. Yeah, I understand. Um, I have friends who are trans actors and actresses, and it's a really strange thing because they kind of, instantly become an advocate for trans people, even when they're such fuller, larger people. And everyone wants to talk to them about their activism and like being an advocate and sometimes like miss that they're just like incredible people who have like interests and whatever. Like, how do you reckon with that? Um, yeah, I, I suppose it's just, it's just the reality when our bodies and who we are always have been, and especially right now, it's just so, you know, politicized. It's like I could post a photo of myself on Instagram and I'll be, you know, I'll get like, you know, backlash or whatever, you know, it's just, I think what I, I try and, and, and focus on the fact that I do have this rare experience with this platform and, you know, want to, want to use it to speak to issues and experiences that feel, you know, necessary right now and, and important and, um, and hopefully use, use my platform and, and the, the privilege that I have that, you know, has come from doing this work, you know, 
I have the resources for the mental health uh, care I've received um, and the various elements of gender affirming care I've received. And, and so I, I guess it's, it's important for me to, to advocate and, and use my platform and sort of like you don't really also have a choice because anything you do is politicized so it would be ridiculous to try to avoid it in some ways too yeah what about though like making art because you've always been somebody who is creative and like you know a performer it sounds like from such a young age and when I was reading your book it really struck me what's next for you as Elliot and as an artist oh gosh well hoping a variety of things I I did as intense as and stressful in moments as it was I did thoroughly enjoy writing the book so if you know uh, I'd love to write more I feel a new love for acting that I haven't felt in a very long time getting to feel embodied going to work and start from that place versus how I felt before where I found it very, very challenging. It didn't matter that it was a character, the, the way I had to, you know, dress and exist. Do people ask you that sometimes? Like, oh, well, you were acting. Wasn't it easy to be, play another gender? Is that? Or, yeah, you, you know, what? they're just clothes. Like, why couldn't, why can't you just wear the clothes kind of thing and not understanding the, the depth of the situation, I suppose. Right. So now getting to go to work, A, and just feel good and happy and positive and you know all of those things but to now dive into characters as me is um very you know compelling and exciting then i have a production company uh, called page boy productions and so working with really wonderful people and hoping to create yeah all kinds of interesting projects Obviously, there's an element of like taking back control of your body and like personally, but also having this production company, does that make you feel like you're contributing to changing an industry that was so violating and continues to be so violating? Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely, you know, the goal to to be able to tell new stories and um, to be centering the voices who should be telling those stories and hopefully, yeah, be able to create works and, and, and projects that um, can have, you know, a positive, positive impact. How do you feel about the way that Hollywood and just entertainment in general now represents queer people and LGBTQ plus people? Ooh, um, well, <laughs> I think you know, I think it's one of those situations where obviously things have changed, of course, you know, like from when I was first entering this industry to now, there is more representation and um, more dialogue and some more understanding. But I just feel it's uh, there's still just so, so far to to go. And in many cases, I feel like the industry is obviously not as inclusive, not anywhere near as inclusive as it as it needs to be and should be. And that's not just about who we're seeing in front of the camera or who is even directing or writing something. It's about every facet of of power behind the scenes that people watching aren't necessarily cognizant of, you know. And I feel like until there's major shifts in those spaces, it's it's hard to make the the degree of change that really does need to happen, you know? Yeah, it's such a weird 
time because I feel like, you know, culturally there's like more access for young people to be connected to trans people and to like see stories of people living successfully as a trans person. But then also you have this juxtaposition of like law making and trans deaths and violence that's like just skyrocketing. Um, it's really kind of a, a bizarre moment. Yeah. And that's so much, I mean, the complication with visibility and you know, something I think about a lot with the visibility I have. Visibility does lead to more backlash and it's the most vulnerable members of the community that are disproportionately affected. Like my experience as a trans person does not reflect the majority of trans people's experiences who disproportionately deal with unemployment, experience homelessness, violence, incarceration, particularly black trans women. Yeah. And that's where, you know, we need to be, you know, mindful of, the, you know, the stories we're, we're uplifting and where we're putting our efforts in regards to, in regards to creating, you know, the systemic change that needs to happen. Right. Yeah, that must have been a really kind of weird double-edged sword to be like, okay, I'm going to tell the specifics of my story in this way that, like, hopefully you know, does create visibility, but also there is privilege and there is like this experience that is doesn't speak to so many people who are more vulnerable to violence and all the things you just mentioned. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I hoped and tried to make a point, particularly, you know, at the beginning of the book to be very clear that this is, you know, just my experience. And I think um, when there is such lack of representation, the you know, stories will be, you know, universalized when there's obviously such vastly different experiences in terms of what it means to be trans and queer. I can only ever speak to mine. And is also, you know, another example of why when we are in positions of privilege and have platforms to communicate that we need to be using them. You know, I think of my experience as really not been easy. It's been really difficult in moments. And then I think of the amount of resources that I have and that have allowed me to get to where I am and knowing what the reality would then be like for those who aren't in the position I'm in with the, the resources I have, you know, mm -hmm. that's why we need massive change to happen. Yeah. Do you feel helpful for that massive change? Um, Yes, I do. I think right now is absolutely a frightening time, of, of course. But I think back to extraordinary activists and leaders, someone like, you know, Miss Major, who actually just came out with a book called Miss Major Speaks that everyone should read. It's incredible. Um, but, you know, you know, Miss Major was at Stonewall and has just you know, spent her whole life um, being there for, you know, other trans people and other black trans women and, and creating, you know, space and, and community and, and has lived through so much. And I think, I think back to individuals who sacrificed and lived through so much more difficult times. And I believe like the change will continue to happen. And it's just, these things aren't linear and it's about just not stopping, you know, and leaning on 
community and being there for one another. And um, I think at the end of the day, the, the love and the self-expansion and the liberation that comes with trans and queer people stepping into themselves and being there for one another will outweigh the backlash of hate that we're seeing from people. Can you talk a little bit about the community you found, even just personally, but also through writing the book? You kind of touched on it in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't know, you know, where I would be without my trans friends who've supported me through this time and and continue to. And for a lot of my life, when I was very, very closeted and full of shame and so uncomfortable. And I was incredibly isolated. I felt very lonely. I felt disconnected from any kind of a, you know, a queer community, so to speak. And I, um, the shift that happened and has happened now having that so present in my life has been just astronomical. I mean, I hope that for every trans and queer person, you know, and anyone who is having a very difficult time right now who doesn't necessarily have access to that, I'd say do everything you can to search that out or to find examples of yourself represented. I, it's, it's really what's gotten me through so many um, difficult moments and overwhelming moments. Another thing that came through in the book is like, you just seem to be somebody, um, I read an interview where you describe yourself as romantic or they were like, oh, like you you like value romance very highly. And I think you said yes. And there's just like a lot of like passion and love in the book, despite all these obstacles that you were experiencing, which I thought was really beautiful and really hopeful too. So what is that like now as a person um, who's had their story put out into the world and like is feeling in their body in a way that they haven't felt maybe ever before in their life. Like, how, what's your relationship to romance now? <laughs> Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Well, it's so funny because in the past I was, it, there was, I think often romance I don't I wouldn't create it, obviously. I'd have like love and care for those I was into or in relationships with, of course. But I think in many ways, there was a coping mechanism I had with love and with relationships. And I would very much go from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next. And in so many ways, it's because I just felt like I could not exist alone. I, I didn't know how to, I'd act, you know. You felt so alone in other aspects of your life. It was like one way that you could not be, right? Yeah, yeah, that's really, yeah, well said. There was a clinging, essentially, to get through. And so now I'm feeling like no less of a romantic person, I think, but able to be alone. And almost like sitting down and being able to write the book was an exhilarating feeling, just being able to be alone. Yeah, it's such a solitary experience writing, which is like the opposite of movie making, too. Yes. And you're alone and you're not being perceived as someone you're not. You don't have a camera in your face. Like, yeah, you're just free of perception, actually, at all. 
it's also a great way to, in some ways, like connect to your body, but also like completely disconnect from your physical self when you're writing. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like um, it is interesting because it was such a, like a physiological experience. Like in moments, it, it, it almost reminded me of acting in that, like you would tap into something physically, emotionally, and that's what helped find the words. And maybe I don't know mm. if that's because I'm used to approaching things as an actor, creative things as an actor. And so I'm like maybe using whatever tools I have to write, but it was kind of what you said. It's like, you're very much there and in your body, but you're also kind of leaving it in this, mm-hmm. whatever that zone one gets into when in, in, in many moments, it did just feel like unco- unconscious to a degree, like words just come out. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, you know, definitely musicians experience that. And like Neil Young, I think said when he was writing songs that it was like being like a radio station sometimes. And Maya Angelou talked about that with writing as well. Um, So I think that's just like the creative process, which can be so therapeutic as well. But I love that you found this way of both kind of finding um, a connection to solitude in a way that um, is positive for you after like many years of not of feeling very alone in, in a way that um, was so negative. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, that's a dream come true. You know, these moments in my life when I'm able to sit and be still and at ease and just be reading with my dog Mo next to me. It's like, <laughs> it's feeling a certain contentment that um, I was sort of baffled at like looking and I know a lot of people regardless of experience or identity aren't just you know magically going to feel content don't get me wrong but really was confused looking at people live their lives like what do you mean you just sort of go to the grocery store like I just couldn't understand this way of being that people seem to, to have in the world. You mean like being like truly content in a way that's almost like simple and impossible? Just yeah just day-to-day stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. just going to the meeting. I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe and being it. Like, like today was a good day. I had a great day. Yeah. And to now feel uh, present and not profoundly uncomfortable all the time or like, yeah, like I don't know how to describe it as just the sensation of always kind of wanting to flee, you know? Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that to me has been like kind of, a dream come true to feel that way. Yeah, it sounds like truly liberating. Yeah. Segwaying from romance to, I mean, sex really, I am I read this um, thing that you were talking about, feminist porn and how it's crucial. And it's something I'm interested in. You said, uh, I think feminist porn is crucial to only have porn from the male perspective is damaging. Women are sexual creatures as much as men, and that needs to embrace. I'm I'm just curious on what your thinking is about that. I know you wrote that in 2013. Oh wow. I'm like, wow, I, I wrote that. I mean, that's how I I mean, that's how I feel. And that's I mean, a part of how I felt too while I was writing the book. You know, my book definitely um has parts of it that are I write about sex in like a pretty direct and honest way in the body. And for me, in regards to whether it's, you know, feminist porn or queer and trans people um, creating, you know, porn or erotica or literally anything that's sexual or has any kind of intimacy or sensuality. Like, I know that 
in reading books by queer and trans authors, for example, when anything like that was expressed, I could just like feel something in all of me just like light up, you know, because we get it so infrequently. And so specifically in writing my book, wanted to, you know, wanted it to be sexual um, in, in the moments when that made sense, of course. And to talk about my experiences and relationship to that and the, the, you know, the different experiences that I've had. And, you know, I think it's important to, to be able to communicate it from in a direct way and from our, you know, perspectives. Yeah, well, I think the issue is is that because we live in this like puritanical culture that doesn't want to talk about sex, then we're just the only sex we're given is this really patriarchal perspective. Um, And so much of like, I think queer joy should be about also sex because sex is joyful. And um, so I really enjoyed that part of the book. And I'm I, it makes sense to me that it was intentional for you. I hope that there's more of that in the future in general in our culture, so. Me too, thanks for yeah saying that. I'm really happy to hear that you're having a positive experience with the publication of the book because I imagine, and I know you've talked about the juxtaposition between, we talked about in this conversation of public persona, trans identity, like the the personal being so public and how tied that is and having to protect yourself while also wanting to advocate for things that you believe in. Um, so it's exciting that this has been positive for you because I think that will mean that you will continue to do this work. So congrats on all. Um, I so appreciate you taking the time. When my book came out, I was fucking exhausted and I was so tired of talking about it, but you're doing a great job. Um, So thank you so much for um, taking the time. I really appreciate it. And I hope many people read your book. I heard the bestsellers uh, list is coming out today and I'm rooting for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it and you wanting to talk about it. And thank you. Thanks so much. I hope you have a great event tonight. Thank you. All right, everyone, that was Elliot Page. I'm so grateful to have successfully done our second remote interview. I love the way that Elliot is talking about the body in relationship to obviously commodification, but also trans identity. And um, I'm very happy for him and the journey he's gone on in the community that he's fostered by writing this book and hopefully the influence that we'll have on many young people who may feel alone in their journey right now. Love to hear from all of you. As always, go to hilo.fm to submit your thoughts and voice notes. We covered a lot today, and I do encourage all of you to pick up the book. Thank you for listening. Hilo with Emrata is a Sony Music Entertainment and Bitch Era Media production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, Matt Raz, and Sarita Wesley. Our showrunner is Matt Raz. Our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh.